Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Good morning. Today is the day. It's the fifth day of Advent. We are in the fifth chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. Uh, we, we dealt with the first half of the chapter in the first hour, and so I want to turn my attention to the second half of the chapter. Uh, it is here that we see Jesus teaching, and it's important to recognize who is listening to him. It's the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who are sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And they were listening to Jesus teach, and he was healing the sick. Uh, it, it is here that Luke tells the story of the men carrying their paralyzed friend on a mat. They couldn't get into the house because there were so many people, and so they tore the roof off and lowered the man down. Um, you know the story of the healing of the paralytic. Jesus, seeing the faith of the friends, says to the man on the mat, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want you to just consider for a moment um, how much your faith matters. I mean, I know sometimes we think that our faith does not matter to our friends. Our friends are paralyzed in all kinds of ways. Um, but the the way they are most critically paralyzed is that they are not in a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. They do not have a restored relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the the most powerful thing that we can do for our friends is bring them to Jesus. and And then let Jesus deal with them. Let Jesus deal with all of their brokenness. Let Jesus deal with um, their, their primary need, which is the, the reality of sin, the separation that we all experience from God. When Jesus saw the faith of the friends, he said to the man on the mat, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teacher, uh, teachers of the law responded by thinking to themselves, who is this? This is a fellow who speaks blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, they're actually right in that observation. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Well, no one. Now, if you were to follow that thought through, who is this? Only God can forgive sins, so who is this? If you paused for just a moment, you you might well be led to the truth. Well, this is the God-man. This is Jesus, who is both fully human and fully God. Now, how is that possible, and what does that mean? And what must I then rethink about everything I have thought before, about the way the cosmos is and how redemption happens? Now, Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking, and so he said, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Um, and that conversation is interesting as well. Uh, the, we then get the calling of uh, the tax collector, Levi, who is sitting at his tax collecting booth. And immediately Levi follows Jesus. And then Levi throws a big party, a great banquet at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and other sinners come to eat with him. Now, you can imagine that sitting down and eating with sinners is not something that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law 
uh, think is a good idea. And so they complained to Jesus's disciples, who haven't been disciples for very long, remember. He's just begun gathering this crew. Uh, But they complained to the disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, Jesus answered them. Jesus steps in, by the way, when we don't really know the answer to the question. Jesus takes up for us, which I genuinely appreciate. Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's a fascinating exchange. We also get uh, in this chapter the conversation about the bridegroom and why Jesus' disciples don't fast. He then teaches a parable. Uh, great reminders in this chapter of who Jesus is and, uh, and how he began to confront old ideas, because what God is doing in Jesus Christ is a new thing. All right, up next, I am, I am going to have a conversation with Dr. Cynthia. Dr. Cynthia has a website. She hosts a website for Christians who want to reach our Muslim neighbors. ChristianFromMuslim.com, ChristianFromMuslim.com. We are going to talk about how you and I can reach Muslims for Jesus this Christmas. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Dr. Cynthia. She is the host of the website ChristianFromMuslim.com. Dr. Cynthia, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. So um, let's let's just begin with with the website itself. Um, what what are you seeking to do at ChristianFromMuslim.com? ChristianFromMuslim.com has free videos for Muslims who want to learn about the Christian faith and Christians helping them. So in particular with Christians, they can learn everything they need to know about Muslim evangelism and discipleship, and it's all free. We have over 150 videos, and about 16 of them are half-hour lessons. So people can watch these or play them in their churches, and there are free study guides for every topic, including one on Christmas. So let's talk about that, because that is really the season that we're in. And um, and you and I both know that the holidays and this particular holiday season is a particularly opportune time for Christians to share their faith with Muslim neighbors. Tell, tell us why that is. Why Why are the holidays a particularly good time to do this? Great. And actually, I like your approach, which is that we should use whatever is natural as a way to share our faith. In general, I know that's a way you think, and that's the way we think, too, at ChristianFromMuslim.com. So actually, the best thing about the holidays, and especially for Christians that feel a bit like a Scrooge or a Grinch, that they're tired of doing this over and over, when we see it as a great opportunity to share our faith, it changes everything. So in our over 30 years of reaching Muslims, Hindus, and Sikhs, we found that the holidays can provide really good bridges in a couple of ways. First, it can help you connect to another person, and then it can help you share the Lord with them. So, for example, how could you connect to a person? I think it depends, Carmen, on whether or not you know Muslims already, or whether you want to meet them and to share. And then your approach would be a little different. But either way, there are lots of opportunities. 
Okay, so let's assume I do not know a Muslim. Um, so what what is a holiday hint you can give me if I don't yet know a Muslim? I mean, I I I have seen them round and about in my community, mm-hmm. but I don't have a re- I don't have a relationship with a person um, of the Islamic faith. Uh, so where do I start? Right. And I think a lot of people listening are in that category. What I found in America and other places is that a lot of times Christians are living in our little Christian ghetto and we don't know where everybody else is or what they're doing. But at this time of year, if you want to share your faith, you might go that step beyond and actually connect with the Muslim. And you could do that in several ways. If you just want to be simple, if you see a Muslim around town, you can say Merry Christmas or hello. And if you are a little a little braver, and it's really not that hard, I find because I do this all the time myself, but on our website under resources free, you can print out the Jesus of Christmas for Muslims in English or in Arabic. And I keep that in my purse with some chocolates. I mean, you and I know, Carmen, that the gospel is the best gift. The love of God is the best thing we could ever have. But we try to sweeten it with something so that people know that we love them as people, not just to convert them. So I would give them that with a chocolate or a candy cane, something like that. And what is so amazing, Carmen, is it's not easy for us to reach out to people that are strangers. But... I'm serious with Muslims, especially with immigrants, when a Christian reaches out to them, an American reaches out and shows love, it is amazing. And all of your reluctance just melts away when you see their expression of thanks. So it is a good time to actually connect with people. And outside of at large like that, just walking around, you and your friends or your church might take some care packs to apartment buildings that Muslims are known to live in and give them the tracts or DVD or or love. And, and sometimes, well, our model for sharing the gospel is build bridges, share truth, challenge falsehood. So if you know you're going to see someone many times, you you can keep building bridges with them. You don't need to necessarily immediately give them the gospel, although sharing truth is our ultimate. But if maybe at this time you you just want to show love. Absolutely. By smiling and including them. Or if so we want to get better. Yeah, we want to get to how we can share the Christmas story, but you and I have to take a quick break. So I'm talking with Dr. Cynthia, host of the website ChristianFromMuslim.com. We're going to continue this conversation in just a moment. We'll be right back. Singing Faith of Christmas is uh, is singing that happens in every language under heaven, uh, and sometimes we need to learn to tell the Christmas story in ways that are going to touch the hearts and minds of people who are very, very different than us, who have not grown up culturally as Christians, uh, who have not grown up in uh, in in the storylines that we tell here in Western Christianity. And so I'm talking today with Dr. Cynthia, host of the website ChristianForMuslim.com, 
about how we as Christians really need to serve as the translators of the gospel in the holiday season, um, and, and specifically, you know, how we can do that for our Muslim neighbors. So, uh, so Dr. Cynthia, um, the Christmas story and the Christmas season, you know, provides lots of symbols, lots of opportunities uh, that would resonate with Muslims. What are some of those, and how can we use those to open doors of conversation? Sure. So let's assume that you either know a Muslim or you you met one through outreach and you want to talk about the Christmas story. A good branch would be, especially since you are reading the book of Luke, do you remember Luke 135? I think everyone who's been reading your your um, devotionals knows that that says that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary, and that's how Jesus was born. So as a conversation starter, Muslims know that we share a lot in common, but some of them, especially traditionally, they have a very different view of what we think is the way Jesus was conceived. So using Luke 135 and mentioning to them, do you know that the way the Bible describes Jesus being conceived is very similar to the Quran, and you can talk about it, and because it actually says the Holy Spirit in the Quran. So that shows, in a way, by doing that, that there is a similarity, that it was God, and if you read Luke 135 or mention that, it explains because it was the Holy Spirit, Jesus is the Son of God. So that's kind of a talking point that can get things going. Now, of course, the Christmas story is not identical in the both, and you can use the differences for them to be intrigued. And I've found that a lot with using either the nativity scene or talking, kind of as you describe on your website and your podcast, naturally, you know, what comes up from there. So it's good to know the Christmas story well, but you'll find a lot of things that they would be interested And in fact, on our Christmas video, we show an actual Muslim who's just been a Christian for a few weeks and how I explained to her the symbols of Christmas. What does the star mean? And the fact that people came from the lands that are now Muslim to worship Jesus is very moving. You can see that expression on her face or the shepherds or how at the birth of Jesus we have rich and poor and different races all coming together for the birth of the Son of God. And then what's really important, if they can get across, is to link it into what I call the path of the prophets or the sacrifices, because Muslims know that Abraham did a sacrifice. They know about that, but they don't know about the sacrifices of Moses, and they don't know that Jesus was the prophesied final sacrifice for sin. So, for example, in a a Bible study I was doing with a Muslim, a current Muslim, about two weeks ago. We actually did go through the prophecies in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, about mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace coming to earth, and Isaiah 53. So by pulling those together, they can see that the Holy Spirit came on Jesus for a special reason, that we don't say our prophet is God, but your prophet isn't know that he was the final sacrifice for sin, which was prophesied. So I know that might seem a bit challenging for them, but if they pray and they're just willing to use 
this situation, I'm sure the Lord will help them at least say something that will make progress towards understanding the gospel with the Muslims that they know. Yeah, and the most powerful, uh, or one of the most powerful tools that we have is our home and inviting people into genuine fellowship in our homes and simply inviting them to participate in what we are already doing and then invite them to ask questions about what we're doing. You know, so uh, folks may wonder why we put exactly. up a Christmas tree. Folks may wonder uh, as we unwrap our uh, the little pieces of our nativity scene, you know, why we do that and who each one of those characters is and what the what's the biblical story um, that is told through those characters at uh, at the manger, um, you know, what is it about the star and how does that connect us back to the story of Daniel, which is certainly, um, uh, you know, a, a, a part of Muslim history um, as well. And so there are all kinds of, of opportunities um, when we are talking, uh, when, when we bring people into our home. And so let's talk about um, some of that, because I do think there are some some things that we need to know um, and we need to recognize. If I'm going to invite a Muslim into my home to share, let's say, a Christmas meal, um, I need to not serve Christmas ham. Of course. <laughs> well, you right. so like you, you and I know that, but not everybody would necessarily know that. And so I do think that some of the cultural sensitivities um, are important in all of this. Oh, absolutely. And I think as far as who you invite and if you invite, that takes a while to con- to think about also. For example, we, c- we call all our little things that you do a bridge, like this is a holiday bridge. One is an event bridge and the other is an after bridge. So an event bridge would be if you invite someone to your church for a Christmas program. And people will sometimes come. No, not all. I've had Muslims refuse, but others do accept it. An easy one, if you don't know them well, the first bridge, as in, like Esther would invite the king to something before she presented, that first bridge would be, would you like to go for coffee and just chat with them? But if it's somebody that you know a little better and you do want to have them to your house, that is so perfect because then you just naturally can say, oh, hey, this stands for whatever, especially if they admire something or ask about it. And I did have uh, an event, a holiday event with Muslims at my house last weekend. It was wonderful. They heard um, Legend of the Candy Cane. They heard other things, the gospel. Actually, these two families had heard the gospel before. But this is a way that brings it out in a natural setting. And afterwards, one of them said to me, I will remember this my whole life. So... It's really of a more positive impact and, and worth the effort that Christians might not think it is. You know, it's it's not necessarily as big of an ordeal as as we might think, and the blessings just go on forever. Many of the Muslims that I have shared the Christmas story with did go on to receive Christ, and if they don't, even so, they will be more open to you, to America to the Lord, and it's just a wonderful experience. Absolutely. All right, Dr. Cynthia, thank you so much for sharing with us today. The website is christiansfrommuslim.com. We'll be right back. (laughs) All right, so uh, uh, this is one of those, like, hesitating conversations, because I already know that there's at least one person listening 
who thinks that none of us should be watching television or going to the movies or, frankly, reading novels or uh, certainly not engaged on social media. <clears throat> so if that's you, um, then this is an intervention. So my next conversation is with Daniel Strange. The book is plugged in, connecting your faith with what you watch, read, and play. If you do watch television and movies and read novels and you're on social media and you're wondering how to use all of those um, opportunities as a as a way to enter into cultural conversations, ha this conversation is for you. Are you living an either-or kind of life or both and? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. After decades of working with troubled teens and their families, I'm convinced that life is rarely an either-or thing. It's rarely easy or difficult, fun or challenging. It's always both at the same time. The trick is to keep the good and bad in perspective. Remember that challenging issues are just a normal part of everyday life, and tough issues won't last forever. Be on the lookout for things to enjoy and reasons to laugh. When you learn to smile, even when you have reasons to wince, you're choosing to live a both-and kind of life. And that's a far better choice. Parenting Teens isn't for the faint of heart. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Check out his latest resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Daniel Strange, uh, he is, well, among other things, <clears throat> he is the father of seven children. Uh, that might be in uh, in your bio, Daniel, the thing most yep. worth talking about at Christmas. <laughs> uh, but you're also a professor and um, and you are uh, the director of Oak Hill, the Oak Hill Theological College. Um, first of all, tell us about Oak Hill and um, and tell us what the uh, seven smaller stranges are up to? Oh, so um, Oak Hill is a theological college in North London. We train people go for uh, gospel ministry. Half of them would be going uh, maybe into the Church of England, Anglican ministry. Half would be going to uh, independent. We're a conservative evangelical uh, confessionally. We've been there. We're about 85 years old, about 120 students. And we live as a as a, a residential community in North London. I've been teaching there for 15 years. I've been the director for a few years. And yeah, I do have seven children. There's quite a span. Our eldest boy has just become a metropolitan police officer in London. He's 23. And then we have a six year old. And uh, also we've got a, another one on the way, actually. So um, that, that <gasps> congratulations. Be Thank you. That's just, uh, yes, in, in the last few weeks, we found that out. So I'm very, very excited. So quite an age range. Um, Wonderful Advent so, news. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, what a joy. And um, and for your son, who has just become uh, a Metro police officer in London, we obviously here in the United States um, were paying close attention uh, earlier this week um, to the terrorist attack at London Bridge. We We just yeah. recognize the the particular challenge that is faced um, by law enforcement. And so please give our encouragement uh, to yeah, your son. You. And thank yeah, you. and thank thank him. Um, you know, we, we would all think that, you know, serving as a police officer in London must be really cool um, just because we imagine that London is a little bit like Disney World. And yet it's not. 
No, and, and I think, do you know what? I think the interesting thing is, I think for me and uh, his mum, I think the big issue is, yes, there's the praying for the physical safety, but it's um, as a Christian police officer, I think I'm just um, very aware, and it links to, the, I suppose, the book really, uh, that he just doesn't become too cynical about everything. And I think mm. that being dragged, dragged down spiritually and, and that you still maintain hope in a, a side of life that um, myself um, never sees, a kind of an underworld that you know that exists, but you have no connection with it. And so if you're exposed to that all the time, how do you keep your faith strong when all around you, when there aren't many Christians in the police force and it's very difficult? And that's our prayer for him, that his faith maintains strong strong and that he doesn't just doesn't just become cynical and pessimistic <laughs> that's the big prayer yeah i mean i he's a genuine light in the midst of um of real darkness and yeah. he is yeah. and he is walking as an ambassador of the king and the kingdom into environments um you know where oftentimes that light is not welcome where yeah. people have preferred genuinely preferred darkness to light and yeah. so that yes. will be our prayer for him a prayer Thank of protection you. Um, and a and a prayer that um, you know that the light of Christ within him would would shine into the lives of others in ways that right now no one could anticipate. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you. Yeah, Appreciate what a it. joy. So your book, uh, Plugged yes. In: Connecting Your Faith with What You Watch, Read, and Play. First of all, it um, it gives us permission to not build up uh, walls around ourselves in such a way that we utterly reject everything about the culture. It it actually yeah. recognizes that we live in, you know, in this garden of culture, and we have yeah. to be selective about what we watch and read and play. But we do watch and read and play. So talk about that. Yeah. So I think at the beginning of the book, I, I give sign of some typical attitudes that Bible-believing Christians might have. There's the kind of the, the look-in approach. We kind of, we, we're in our churches, we're holding hands, we're waiting for the Lord to return, we don't want to engage. Then there's the lash-out approach, which says we're just angry about everything that, that that we see in the world. Then there's the look-like, we just kind of look like the world and we're not that bothered about being distinctive. And I just think those three options that all of us inhabit at various times, I think rather the, the, the Bible gives us the permission one that Adam was created to fill and subdue the earth. We're to have dominion. We are culture creators. We can't escape culture. Uh, I think one of the big things in the book I'm trying to say is that we either form culture or we are being formed by culture. There's no neutrality. At the end of 1 John, uh, the apostle says, beloved, keep yourselves from idols. And if if if, um, if Jesus Christ is not the Lord and the foundation of everything we're doing, if we're not looking through the world with Christian glasses, then there'll be another worldview that we're in, in, inhabiting. And I think so often... We kind of just have a very narrow view of what it what Christianity means and what the gospel means, whereas I'm very committed to the lordship of Christ in every area of life and that the, the God's blueprint for living um, uh, affects everything. And the book is trying to say, OK, in the normal things that people do and watch and play for our own discipleship and for our evangelism and our witness, how do we connect and confront? There's always the both a, a both and um, we're, we're, we're not to be of the world, but we live in the world. And then how do we connect and, and confront in very normal, practical ways? And uh, so that's what the book's about. So um, I, I might jump to chapter four, which is, can I watch? Yes, okay. Most people um, as do. A, right. As a Christian, is it okay for me to watch? And then, you know, fill in the blank. Sometimes that is a specific title of a show um, or a movie. Sometimes that is about a particular rating 
um, or, you know, or explicit content. Um, I, I know myself well enough to know that, um, the visual media is very powerful in my Mm. mind and the hooks Mm. get set. Um, and so I, I know where I should not tread because those images are planted in my mind in ways that, um, that require me then to need to go before the Lord and, and say, I, I know that is not of you. And I need you to take that thought captive and somehow get that image back out of my head. Um, so I know myself well enough to know that visual media works that way. I can read almost anything. Yeah. So for me, it's, it, it, some of it is about, you know, how the medium, uh, what, what medium is the delivery system. So to just talk with us about how we get to the place where we know ourselves in terms of what we can and cannot watch. Yeah. So I think I don't want to answer it with a simple binary yes or no. And what the chat that chapter is trying to do is just ask some questions of uh, wisdom, really, given the context we're in, the type of person we are. Um, Richard Foster, the writer, says that when we become Christians, we still have what he calls characteristic flesh. And you know what that means for you, Carmen. I know what it means for me as Dan. And so we're not to be stumbling block to others. We're not to put ourselves in the path of sin. And yet we do live in God's creation. I do believe in God's common grace, that the rain he sends on the just and the unjust. I do believe in the gifts of creativity and imagination. And I do believe that we have to engage. I mean, one of the big passages I talk about um, in the book is Acts 17, where Paul is in Athens and he's he's really distressed by the idolatry. But he doesn't just walk off. He engages. He he wanders around the people's objects of worship. And I think for popular culture, especially uh, for us to be able to engage in a godly way. And in the chapter, I give all kinds of ways in which we need to um, uh, trust our conscience, but sometimes not trust our conscience. The importance of friends and communities. There's all kinds of things that that we can do to help us. But at the end of the day, I still think we should be uh, engaging. And I think the also thing is, is obviously the things that we are maybe most attuned to and worried about in terms of uh, violence and uh, and, um, and and sex and those issues they're, they're massive issues that that we need to deal with but also there's some subtle things that maybe we're we kind of um uh we get involved with in the book i talk about the issue of sentimentality uh and sentimentality i think is is a, is a very toxic disease in our society in terms of the focus on our emotions because we want to get emotional or the idea that we don't we don't um everything has to have a quick solution and things aren't aren't, aren't easy or trivialization of evil um and sometimes you know when i walk in and my kids are watching nickelodeon i think that can be as damaging as some more obvious things that they shouldn't be watching um so i think we we, we need to be uh, aware of that um, so that chapter tries to what it tries to do is ask some questions um, using the slogans of the Reformation. So only the Bible, only by grace, only by faith, only by Christ to God's glory alone. And it uses those as a filter so that when we want to engage with something, um, then we can ask, is this appropriate? Um, I do think to engage well um, is is so um, important in terms of knowing where our non-Christian friends and family especially are at. And in our very um, post-Christendom society, and I think, you know, there's obviously differences at this point between US and UK, um, but I think to be able to give um, good comment and witness on what people are doing every day, what they're watching, what are their hopes, fears and dreams. I do think we have to engage at that level, but we obviously have to be cautious and critical. 
So Daniel Strange, among other things, is the author of Plugged In, Connecting Your Faith with What You Watch, Read, and Play. He and I have to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk specifically about how we talk with our friends about Jesus when all they're really interested in is, you know, last night's football pitch or what's good on Netflix. That's next here on Mornings with Carmen. It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song. Continuing my conversation with Daniel Strange about his book, Plugged In, Connecting Your Faith with What You Watch, Read, and Play. Um, let's talk specifically about, you know, like, how how do I actually take something that yeah. I have watched, that my friends have watched, um, or a game that we're playing, and make the Jesus connection, or make the yes. gospel connection? Maybe it's really the connection to the larger story. Yes, I, I think the first thing, and what I try to do in the book as a theologian, is that it's theological, it's biblical. It's saying that as all, all human beings are made in God's image, we are culture builders. We have hopes, dreams, and uh, fears about about life. So w- whenever we encounter someone, we need to be encouraged that even though they might have not have any time for God or Jesus or the Bible, the Bible tells me that they are, one, they are religious. They, they know God. That's what Romans 1 says. They suppress the truth but they know God. Um, and in a sense, they know and they don't know. That's why Paul says back in Acts 17, what you're ignorant of, I'm now going to proclaim to you. So already, I think we need to be encouraged that um, uh, that they, they have a worldview. They have a faith in that sense. They have ultimate commitments to things. And what we're trying to do is, is um, get them to trade in those com- false commitments and, uh, and desires for a better one. So th- there's always connection and there's but there's always confrontation. And what I try to do in the book is to show that we display that culture building, our 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 faith, our our commitments to things are seen in the the things we watch, the things we read, the things we create, the way we want to educate our children, the political party that that, that we vote for. They they all have uh, they all have meaning. And so what we're trying to do is to get to the bottom of what are the commitments underlying those things. Now, we do that in a, I think, in in by asking lots of questions and lots of listening. I sometimes think we're not very good at listening. We need to listen to where people are coming from. Let them tell you why they do what they do and just gently then try to uncover what are the basic commitments that that they're committed to. And then we we might have an opportunity to say, well, these are my commitments and these are the reasons why. So in the book, we're looking at very practical things. This is a course I've been teaching at Oak Hill for many years, where the students can look at anything in culture and try and do a theological analysis with a view to, yeah, in a conversation or in a sermon that I hear or whatever, they might be able to make connections and do a confrontation. So in the book, it's adult colouring books, which are a big thing in the UK, have been over the last few years, or bird watching or zombie movies or um, and all all these other things that are just very normal things that that, that people do and engage with that we can then we're only one step away from being able to talk about the the gospel because the gospel is is a story is a narrative um it does talk about our own hopes fears and uh, and and desires and so there's always connection and there's always confrontation we need to do both okay so let's have a little fun uh the gospel and bird watching uh, well i think i think something like that is is about um uh, connecting with with nature understanding that um uh, nature is is good in itself but when it's deified uh, that's a problem when 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 we treat it uh, as as god um and and that essay was a, a very good essay in terms of um 
why people at the moment especially uh, are very interested in 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 nature and uh, going back to the beginning going back to a kind of a an eden and so the student where on that where that essay is based was just trying to uh, plug into those those kinds of of um, of issues as they were with uh, other things Okay, so find a really good student and assign them this question <laughs> of whether whether or not rivers and and a particular variety of rice in uh, in Western America should be granted personhood. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, right. Because the person, about? right? I mean, right. Yeah. The personhood conversation is a big one, and yeah, um, and and as a gospel conversation, it's a real opportunity. And this is now. Yeah. You know the conversation being happen or happening at the level of uh, <clears throat> of the making of law. So I yeah. am fascinated by what you're doing. I obviously resonate with this approach and really yeah. appreciate it. Um, love the book. The book is plugged in, connecting your faith with what you watch, read, and play. The author is Daniel Strange. Um, Daniel, uh, what's your preferred way of of people uh, either finding you or finding Oak Hill? Like what? How can people learn more? Yeah, so um, contact me through uh, the website, Oak Hill College. Um, you'll be able to find it very easy. We're in North London. In terms of the book, um, it's available from the Good Book Company and uh, other uh, other sellers as well. Um, I was really gratified. Tim Keller wrote wrote the foreword. He's very been very supportive of of the project. And what I'd what I'd love to see is churches um, in the UK and the States, um, people getting together, reading the book, and then using that as a as a framework just to be able to to discuss, do a, do some um, analysis of the things that their friends are involved in or they're involved in and to try and walk through some of these steps is meant to be a very practical accessible book it's not kind of ivory tower theology it's meant to be saying where does where does the the rubber hit the road in terms of the everyday things that we are involved with and how can we um, engage culture uh, for the lord jesus i used it uh, as a conversation tool with my seventh and eighth grade sunday school class uh when they were all engaged in a fortnight tournament so oh, yeah, of course. It Brilliant. provided Very great good. provided provided great linkage for those uh, cultural conversations. Perfect. Uh, Daniel, Perfect. what a, what a joy. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's a, and, uh, a privilege to be on Common. Thank you. And and happy Christmas to happy uh Christmas. to all of the of the current uh strangers and the one on the way. What a joy. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Carmen. Love to speak Blessings. to you. Blessings. Bye-bye. 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 We'll be right back. All right, I got I just have to admit to you. I I like that guy. I Paul, I like him. Put him on the let's call him again list. Will do. Um so it's always fun for us to talk to folks we haven't talked to uh, or talked with before and it's always um fun to be included in your day. If you would like to share the show with someone else, that would be a great gift to us. So one of one of the ways that um you can sort of be a part of the the faith radio community the listening community here at faith radio is that you would share the show with other people and you can obviously do that when you're live listening but you can also do it after the fact by going to myfaithradio.com finding a link to the podcast for a particular hour that you thought was provocative or really enjoyed um, something that you think would speak to someone else in your life and then you know just send that to them in a text message or via an email you send them the link to the show uh, or to the podcast that you, you you say to yourself, hey, I thought you might find this interesting. Um, it's just a real blessing to us as well. All right, go out there and make it a great day. Get into the Word, that the Word might get into you, that the Word might get out into the world that God so loves. Have a great day and a blessed day. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.